Um, I just want to open in a word of prayer. And uh, we are totally and completely thankful that you are here this morning. And it's great to see my niece and her twin girls here this morning with us. That's a lot of fun. And then our little niece Chloe's here with us too, David's daughter. So we're really, really excited about that. So we have some new family members here. But also we have people traveling. And one of the people traveling is our pastor. So Pastor Brad and Barb are gone. They're out on vacation. Uh, they're in Mexico. But I know this. They're praying for us. They want us to have a fantastic time of worship. They want God to be honored and the word to go forward, and we're going to do that this morning, right? And so for all those that are watching online, live with us in the live stream right now, we're just thankful for you too. But we have a great number of people here this morning, so it's so good to see everybody. The most important thing, uh, after I pray here, we're going we're to do the most important thing after that. We're going to read a couple of verses from God's Word that's going to be our launch platform for this morning. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to gather here. And we know this, you're here in this place. You're here with us. You're overseeing whatever goes on in this service, however it goes in the service, no matter what we had planned this morning, you've got plans. And we're just putting ourselves before you and asking us to be, and asking you to make us sensitive this morning that we would follow your lead and we'd run after this morning and we would enjoy our time together and it would be a blessing us to one another, but Lord, we thank you for the blessing you're going to rain down on us this morning, and we thank you that you are truly good all the time. And I ask these things, and I pray these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So the danger zone. If you want to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, or grab it on your electronics this morning, that's fantastic. But the verse reads this way, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Wow, that is just loaded. Those are two just packed verses, and we're not going to be able to do justice to everything that's contained in those verses. We want to point out a few things this morning. And the first thing I want to do is I want to encourage you in a way that you can get off the flight deck. These verses that are written by Peter are to those who have already asked Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. So, theoretically, in our illustration this morning, you're already on the flight deck. There's not a question, you're there. You're on an aircraft carrier, and you're one of the people on the flight deck, and you've got a job to do, and we're gonna talk about that a little bit this morning. Now, um, in the first two chapters, when Peter's writing this epistle, he's encouraging the people that now that you're saved, this is what life is going to look like. And I, before I go too far, I just want to make sure we know this. Is we do this. If you're not on the flight deck and you're here this morning, maybe it's the first time, maybe you've heard the gospel and you never received it, maybe you've never heard it before and you're going to hear it this morning, I hope the Lord works in your heart and mind so that you can do that, so you will be able to have that uh, understanding and you'll be able to receive Christ as your Savior. But um, in keeping with the theme of this, the movie, which I thought they did a tremendous job showing that movie, the first time I went to see it, yeah, I've seen it more than once, the first time I went to see it, I took TJ, one of our young adult guys, and I, my son Luke, we went to watch it. Great movie. They did a fantastic job telling the story. 
And then when Todd and Tammy Johnson found out that I'd gone, but Jill hadn't gone yet, then we double dated and we went to see it again. It was really, really fun. So we had a great time. But watching that movie and listening to some of the things that were promoted before that, Jerry Bruckheimer was the producer of the movie. And one of his comments that he made in one of his interviews, and Tom Cruise actually said this as well, this is a love letter to aviation. And when I sat down and watched that movie, I thought, no, it's not. And this is the way the world works. I mean, they think they've got things figured out. And while there is certainly, certainly this huge focus on the aviation and doing things, how many saw the original movie? How many weren't alive when the original movie came out? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's several here too like that. But, <clears throat> but they wanted to make sure they did a fantastic job telling the story in a way that was, it was worthy. And they did that. But the love letter wasn't to aviation. What we have is a great example of how we are before God in this movie. Tom Cruise's life as his character Maverick in this movie, his life is just laid out in front of us in living color, and we see all his shortcomings and his foibles and historic disasters. I mean, he, he tanked his military career multiple times and came back, right, partway anyway. He had a terrible relationship record, right? And then there was this young guy, the son of his of his uh, Rio, his instrument uh, operator, right from the first movie that had died, this, this son was now in Top Gun. And so he needed redemption. He needed forgiveness. He needed justification from that son. And that's exactly how we are. As human beings, we need that justification, that redemption from the son, Jesus Christ. Because God sent him as, a, as our Savior to this earth. God himself came down, took on human form, was put on the cross, was buried and resurrected so that he had victory over death, hell, and the grave so that you and I could know this. We could know salvation. And that's what this story is about. It's about being redeemed. So this morning, I just want to read a couple of verses. And um, one, okay, Before I do that, I just want to say a couple of things too. One of the things that's really fun is life is really awesome. I mean, God is so good. And many years ago, I had an opportunity to uh, become an acquaintance of one of the few guys from the state of Minnesota that's ever been in Top Gun. His name is Gordon Nelson. I think his call name was Toad. And, um, and that's one of the things, like in the movie Top Gun, like all the, the call names are like super ultra cool. Yeah, that's not reality. Generally, it's like they make fun of your name or there's something you do, some mistake you make, and that gets hung on you and that's your moniker. That becomes your call sign. So it's a little different. But these guys are incredible. But Gordon Nelson, uh, I got to meet him and his family. I was working with Steve Lehman, uh, who's one of my heroes. And uh, we were over there multiple times working with his folks and with Gordon working on their houses both inside and out. So we got to see them repeatedly. But Gordon was this unbelievable guy. And he was three years. He flew off the aircraft carrier, the USS Nimitz. He had just shy of 400 arrested landings. And if you've seen that movie, you have that lever that comes down with the hook on it. So when they land on an aircraft carrier, that hooks onto this huge cable. And then that's what stops the plane from shooting right off the other end of the aircraft carrier. But it's just an unbelievable thing. And just, I just want to mention, too, Bill Hoppy, when he served in the Navy, and we're thankful for all our service people, but Bill Hoppy was on an aircraft carrier, and his job was if something went wrong, he was on the fire crew that went and put things out, made sure everybody was okay. So it's really, we're thankful for Bill's actual service there. But he landed on this aircraft carrier, and he said it was the most 
humbling, unnerving thing that he's ever done. Because think about this. You're coming in on a plane that's being affected by air flow, and you're going to try and land on an aircraft carrier that's doing this in the water. Right? Is that scary or what? I mean, that's just an unbelievable thing. So it's an amazing thing to be able to be one of these guys. And Gordon will tell you himself personally, he told us, he is a huge pain in the neck because he is so fastidious, everything. He's just such a control monster, right? But he also said this, if you're on a plane somewhere, you want me as your pilot if there's something that goes wrong. Unbelievable bravado and confidence, right? So you see some of these things that they, they, they throw off in the movie, and I was reading about another guy who's actually from Minnesota that's in, in, or has just recently been in Top Gun. But, you know, he shows, they show the bravado of these guys. It's not, it's pretty accurate from what he was saying, all right? Pretty accurate from what he was saying. But these guys are just unbelievable. Gordon just retired. He actually came back and he flew for Northwest, I mean, uh, Northwest and Delta. And he had um, logged enough airline, air travel miles in his 34 years at Delta after he retired from the, the Navy that uh, he could have circled the globe 470 times. Over 25,000 accident-free hours in the air. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal testimony to his stick-to-itiveness, expertise, and skill level. So it's really, really cool. But that all factors in here. First of all, just like Maverick, we need a savior. Okay. The second thing is this. When you need a savior, you're getting a new heart. Now, you look at the Bible, and the Old Testament, and New, and I'm going to grab a passage from each to read to you, but this is the center of a person in biblical understanding. And we still gravitate to that. We can understand that still today. So it says this in Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Now, this is the English Standard Version. Some say unrecoverable, depending on what version you read, right? Who can understand it? Do people like to think that they are rational, logical human beings? Yeah, we're not, okay? We got heart problems, okay? So that's Jeremiah 17, 9. But also in Matthew 15, 8, 9, it says this. This people honors me with their lips. Now, Matthew's written to the Jews, right? So specific to them, but not, right, exclusive to them. This is a state of mankind in general. People honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Right? Mixing it up in there, not keeping the purity of God's word. Man, we want to avoid that at all costs, at all costs. So we can understand that. Right? We can all identify with our heart's condition, right? We talk about the heart, the heart. I mean, how many people were on Facebook and, and liked multiple photos yesterday and they put a little heart emoji with it? Right? We understand this whole heart concept, so it isn't lost on us. We haven't evolved as a society it's just to the point where we don't understand this. All right, so those two verses just point this simple need for us out. So if you've never asked Christ to be your Savior, you have a heart problem. It's not unique to you. We all, every person ever born, has the same problem. It's just some of us have already understood that we can have our heart replaced by Jesus Christ. So I want you to get on the flight deck this morning. It's really simple. If you're not on the flight deck, it's just simply this, acknowledging you're a sinner and asking God to forgive you for your sins and Christ to be your Savior. 
It's so, so simple. But that hangs so many people up because they go, how could it be so simple? It wasn't easy. Looking at what Christ went through in his life, it wasn't easy, right? But it's simple, and that's the most important thing. Anybody, even children, how many people here, including myself, I was nine years old when this made sense to me. Nine. And I've never doubted it since then. Why? Because a transformation takes place. So the next thing is, we want you to be on the deck. So now we're going to assume everybody's on the deck. Whether you are or not, we're going to move you ahead in our illustration. You're on the deck. Okay? Now we're getting ready to go vertical. When that music pumps up and you see those guys take off that aircraft carrier, what's your, like, heart rate go to? But a buck 90? Right? You're just like, you're there in the cockpit. They did such a wonderful job. You're just there in the cockpit with them. It's just unbelievable. And, you know, I mean, at one point, Tom Cruise had rented an F-18 from the Navy. $11,000 an hour to rent these things. And the, law, the rule was, you can't touch any instruments. You don't get to touch anything. But he was actually in the planes and flying in those planes. That's just an unbelievable cool, cool thing. But I'll tell you, these, these guys take off off the end of that deck. And the first thing they do is they're going altitude, right? They're getting up there, and they're getting ready to go meet the dogfight wherever it's at and get after it. So they have altitudes that they soar to. But going vertical with Jesus is simply this. You know, we look at this scripture passage. It's given to people who already know Christ as their Savior. So what's he doing? He's calling us and drawing us in to do something very specific. We want to honor Christ in our hearts. Because our hearts have been changed, we can. See, we honor Christ in our, heart, in our hearts because why? He has now delivered us from the penalty of sin. There's no more hell. There's no more death that we have to fear. We are secure and safe in his family on his flight deck. All right? So we want to make sure that as we grow in Christ, which is the process of sanctification, we also listen to the third member of the Holy Trinity. It's the Holy Spirit, because that's given us a deposit to us so we can sit down, have our time alone, get into God's Word, talk to God in prayer, and the Holy Spirit's working on us the whole time that's happening. And while Christ's salvation provided for us delivers us from the penalty of sin, the Holy Spirit's work now sanctifies us and can deliver us from the pollution of sin. This is not something we can do on our own. This is a supernatural act of God interacting on your behalf, in your person, daily. The question is, are you listening to him? Right? People want to get out there in the fight. Man, we get excited, we get excited. But just like the movie, you don't get to see the end of the movie until you've walked through the whole process of the rest of the movie to get the whole picture, right? So we go in, we sit down, we do business with God, right? We go with Jesus, we listen to the Holy Spirit, and as a result from that, then he's the one that can take us vertically. He can take us to new heights that we don't even imagine. He can put us into situations that we can't even fathom, which is an awesome thing, right? I mean, just think about this. Gordon's, Nelson's life was regimented, right? And he was by the book to the nth degree. But when he takes off that flight deck and he encounters an enemy, it gets pretty hairy, right? It doesn't necessarily go by 
your script because all these things are coming at you and you've got to react to other people. And that's what he's talking about. When we get in and we spend time with God, all the other people, the world around us that can constantly invade our spot, invade our space, and try and trip us up and hold us back and knock us down and send us backwards, yet we can take that on, head on. Right? He's called us to do that. This is what Peter's talking about in these passages. He wants to call us to move on. All right, and we, and we do it through this. We see Jesus as the Lord of our lives. He bought us with the price of his personal sacrifice, and our reasonable service is to turn ourselves over to him. What a great understanding, right? We all have that supreme, in the Navy, I think it's admiral, right, in our lives. Its name, his name is Jesus. But I want you to understand, when you talk about Jesus, and here it talks about him being his Lord, it's talking about him being, and you can literally translate it this way, Yahweh, or the God of armies, or the Lord Almighty. Let me ask you this question. What do you have to fear if the biggest fear factor in existence is on your team? Or you're on his team. We have nothing to fear. Can they do physical harm to us? Can they make our lives inconvenient? Yes. Spiritually, eternally, we are secure and we are moving forward. And even in those times in our life when things aren't going the way that we want them to, we can be rest assured that we're doing exactly what we're supposed to do. And the Lord God, High Creator, Jesus Christ, is almighty. And whatever's happening, He's got it. Right? So when you feel like your world is going ballistic, hang on, because that's where Jesus wants to take you. He wants you to go and follow him and be there with him. Um, I'm going to go to the next slide here. It says G-forces in battle. I want to just talk a little bit about um, what that is. I just kind of did a quick alliteration of the word G, and, uh, or words that begin with G. And the first thing it talks about here is always be prepared to make a defense for yourself. That is not a suggestion. That's a command. See, when you're on the aircraft carrier, everybody's got a job to do. When he asks you to do it, you go do it. Here's the great thing. Grab the opportunity. And when you grab the opportunity, you're doing exactly what God wants. There is nothing insignificant in God's, on God's aircraft carrier. Every single job has an important role to play to make sure everybody else's job gets done and the mission gets accomplished. So, grab the opportunity. Second, for guts and glory. I know it's kind of visceral, right? We're going visceral here. Uh, and, and guys, I hope you like this. I threw this in there because we like guts. We're guts, right? But it's like Gordon said, if there's ever trouble in the air, you want me flying the plane because I'm the best there is, right? So if God puts you in a situation, you're his best guy. You're his best gal. You're the one he wants there right then to grab the opportunity and to just go for it. Will there be a little anxiousness, possibly a little fear in our lives? Yeah, that's good. Why? It keeps you humble. We go back to our vertical relationship, right? It keeps us humble. But here's the thing. 
I want you to, exp I want you to understand exactly where we're going, and I think most of you do, but I want to just point out something. Now, Dr. Uh, Gary Habermas is, is the historian. He's been around for decades, does a great job. He's very, very highly educated and successful. And he said these two things. I was watching a, a passage or a message that he was given the other day. He said these two things. In 20 years of clinical study, so he's a historian, but he's working with psychologists and psychiatrists. In 20 years of clinical research, it showed that people who doubt about Christ are emotional about it. It's not about the facts. Somewhere between 75 and 80% of people. So when you sit down and talk to somebody about Christ and they say no, there's a good chance it's an emotional re response for them. Okay. Second, second statistic I thought was pretty cute. 19% of atheists are, no, this is clinical studies, 19% of atheists are angry at God. I know, right? God is real. And if people don't want to believe that, it's for one of three reasons. There's three kinds of faith. The first one is this, unreasonable faith. That's in spite of evidence to the contrary. You want to believe in something that you want to believe in no matter what. Okay? The second kind of faith is this. It's a blind faith. You haven't thought through it. You're completely emotional about it. There's no logical basis for it. You just believe. I just believe. My hair is growing back. <laughs> right? Actually, it's probably unreasonable faith because there's, there's information to the contrary of that, actually. Yeah. The third is this, and this is where we need to be to, and you need to know your stuff, right? We really need to know our stuff. A reasonable faith. We have a reasonable faith. We can talk at greater lengths about this in various different areas, but I just talked about the historian Gary Habermas, and he's got unbelievable, unbelievable truths that he can teach about God's word and the validity of it, right? But here's the other thing. God directs us, and he wants us to be unbiased, and he wants us to be able to give this message to anybody. If you're going to talk to somebody about Jesus Christ, Frank Turek, a great apologist, raised Catholic, guy's just an unbelievable great mind, but he, he has a, he has a uh, question that he asks people when he's talking to them, do you want to accept Christ as your Savior? He wants to get to that point. But he asks them this question. If I can prove to you, right, that the gospel is true, will you believe it? And if they say no, he knows immediately that he is dealing with an, a, per, a person that is basically 100% emotionally and viscerally reacting to the situation that's going on. And he knows how to deal with them. That is not unusual. So that's why God says this. Be gentle. Be gentle. Brad brought it out a couple weeks ago. I think a good word for that is enthusiasm. I am all about you. I'm sitting here right now talking to you because Jesus wants me to talk to you, and you need to hear what he says. And you know what? If I can't move you in some way, shape, or form today to the point where you say, I need Christ as my Savior, I'm going to be your friend, and I'm not going to let go of you, and I'm going to hang on to you, and I'm going to pursue you until that day happens or God tells me to stop. All right. The world is tough. It's unceremoniously 
stripping people of their dignity, of their humanity, and it won't stop. We, we are the agents of change. We have that great privilege. The last thing is being gracious, respecting the value of other people. Boy, I tell you, that wins a lot, a lot of friends. People will follow you and, and interact with you and open up to you when you come to them and they know they can have complete confidence in you. Folks, you know this. I'll talk to anybody and everybody. But you know what validates me in part? Is when I bring a TJ or a Hunter or someone with me, especially when I show up with Jill. Right? They see a guy coming in with his wife, and they know he's been talking to them, and they're hoping he's a good guy, and they hope what he's saying is true. And you walk in with your wife, and then all of a sudden they go, well, this guy's legit. He's just the friendliest guy in the world because God has set him on fire. Yeah, I hope that's what they hear. I hope that's what they see. But this is the great opportunity that we have. We get to do this every day. We get to do this every day. What's so awesome? The world has no hope, and we got it immeasurably, right? We get into God's word. He's given us genuine, born-again transformation in our lives, and the people of the world that need hope can see it, and we get to bring it to them. Let's pray.